Good morning, 1548 Heights, members and friends online and in person, grace and peace to you in abundance. It's a good day in the burning, apocalyptic-like cauldron of scalding Houston, Texas. <laughs> wow. You know it's getting bad when friends and family are texting you from other areas of the country. Are you okay? Are you okay? We're, we're seeing on the news. I'm like, it's June in Houston, man. Calm down. It's, uh, we're used to this. But it's good to be in an air-conditioned sanctuary singing praises to the Lord and enjoying one another's fellowship. At 1548 Heights, we have a mission of being a transforming church, changing lives for God and for good in the world as God transforms us into the image of Jesus. God loves us so much that he accepts us as we are. He loves us too much to want us to stay that way. And so we invest ourselves together in community over time in the context of practices and disciplines and rhythms in placing ourselves before God to do his transforming work in us for God's glory, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of the world. We're in the seventh and last week of a series called Good and Beautiful. I'm using James Bryan Smith's book as a conversation partner, The Good and Beautiful You, Discovering the Person Jesus Created You to Be. We've talked about having a soul. soul our soul is the deepest essence of who we are in our God-breathed humanity. We've talked about uh, being embodied people, having a body which is a gift to be stewarded and treasured and an instrument to serve God. We talked about being desired, that God desires us and pursues us in his love. Jesus is, if you will, the hound of heaven, always seeking to bring us to the Father. And we talked about being forgiven in Christ, not something we need to ask for continually as we sin, but a once and final forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We've talked about being made alive in Christ through the power of his resurrection. And last week we talked about being made holy in Christ. We have been made holy by virtue of his death and resurrection and our faith in that uh, embodied and acted out in our baptism into Christ and we are continually being made holy on the journey of sanctification. Today we're going to talk about in Christ we are called. In Christ we are called. As always, we're going to read uh, the, the Word of God together, and then we're going to unpack things. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, and then Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. There is an outline in your bulletin. Most of you were given a bulletin when you came in. If you find that helpful to follow along, fill in some blanks, underline some things, I invite you to do that. Listen to the word of the Lord, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. 
Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And now Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Thanks be to God for His Word and for His living Word, Jesus Christ. In the Bible, we see a multitude of callings. The Bible is full of callings. There is Abraham in in Genesis 12. God says, leave everything you know and go to a land in which I will show you. And it's not called a calling, but the writer of Hebrews, looking back, describes it as a calling. We have the boy Samuel living in the temple with the priest Eli. Three times he gets up in the night because he's heard a voice. And, and, and Eli says, no, 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 that's just go back to sleep. And finally Eli realizes that's the Lord calling you. And so we have the, the call of e- Eli. We have Isaiah in the temple of the Lord, having a vision of the Lord, high and mighty and lifted up. And he bows down and he says, woe is me unto me because I am a man of unclean lips. And eventually he says, here am I, send me. And so we have these powerful call stories in the Bible. The, the, the Saul The zealous Jew is knocked off his horse by a blinding light on the road to Damascus. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And we see the call of Saul who becomes Paul. We see, like we just read in in Jesus' ministry, the calling of the disciples and later of various followers. You know, scholars give names to stories. There are miracle stories, kind of different genres, miracle stories, naming stories, teaching stories, and there are distinct what are called calling stories. I I mentioned in my blog essay this week, which goes out to millions of readers worldwide and is read by three or four, that, uh, you know, being in the Church of Christ, I... We didn't use that language. And then I got up to uh, Princeton Seminary, the Presbyterian Seminary, and very ecumenical, people from all over the world, multitude of faith traditions. And all of a sudden, I hear a lot of people talking about being called. And, you know, and my Presbyterian friends, who I affectionately call my Presby friends, you know, they'd say, well, I'm, I'm looking for a call. And I said, well, you know, the phone booth's right over there. <laughs> you know, they, they, they meant a job, as we call it, you know, a, a, a position in a church. But they called it a call. And I came to appreciate that they were trying to elevate the concept a little from just a job. And so, you know, calling is intrinsic to the, the life of being in Christ and serving God. Now, as we've done throughout this series, we're going to look at a false narrative and then a true narrative. A false narrative that we are often tempted to believe or or influenced to believe that really isn't in line with the biblical teaching and the nature of God's relationship to us. And then what would be a true uh, narrative. And so the false narrative here is only super spiritual people 
experience a calling. <laughs> only super If you're writing that down, just put only super duper spiritual people experience a calling. You know, uh, we think of Billy Graham in the 20th century. Everybody would say, yeah, of course, he was called to preach the gospel around the world. We look at someone like Mother Teresa. Well, clearly she was called to work in the slums of Calcutta, uh, Calcutta helping the poor. We look at someone like Kanye West and we think, I have no idea what uh, <laughs> you know, is going on there. But we, we, we feel self-conscious and, and a little grandiose thinking of uh, ourselves maybe experiencing a calling. Smith says in his book, what is often missing is a sense that our work matters to God, that what we do with our hands and minds in our jobs has anything to do with giving glory to God. There is, a little, there is little sense that we have been called in life. I believe we are all called. We're all called forth by God, and we are all called to do the things that God has for our lives. And so here is what I would call the true narrative. The true narrative is that each of us has a calling from God, a capital C calling from God, and each of us experiences distinct callings, small c callings from God. So let's unpack this. Our big C calling from God is to be in a reconciled relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the power and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. To be in relationship with God through Jesus, through what he's done on the cross and his resurrection, this is what we call conversion or being baptized into Christ or brought into the family of Christ or brought into the church. This is our big C calling, okay? Uh, we see this over and over in the New Testament, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Luke 19, 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And then Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, which we just read, uh, I beg you, Paul says, um, to live out the calling with which you have been called. He's talking about the big C calling uh, uh, being in relationship with God through faith in Jesus in the indwelling power and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's always the, the big call. Now, there are small C calls, I would say. We see one, for instance, in what is known as the Macedonian call uh, to Paul and his traveling companions in Acts chapter 16. Read this with me. Acts 16, verse 6 through 10. Did I put it in there, David? David says, no, you forgot it. You re renounced your calling there, brother. Well, just conjure it up there for us, David, would you please? No, here we go. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. During the night... Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news 
to them. So Paul has his big C calling to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, and in his case, to be an ambassador of reconciliation in a you know, pronounced way. But here is a small C calling. Come over to Macedonia and help us. We need you. Uh, we use this in preaching circles anyway, or church circles. We talk about Macedonian calls. You know, I, I kind of, it sounds grandiose, but described me coming to 1548 Heights as a Macedonian call. You know, come in and help us. Let's restore and rebuild and revive this, this work here. And so it's a small C calling. Smith talks about his father-in-law, who when his, he was a teenager, uh, his minister said to him, you know, you really ought to think about being a minister. A couple years later, a minister said to him when he inquired, another minister, don't go into ministry unless you absolutely can't do anything else. Now, I understand which, that which, the way that's intended, you know, unless you have a burning desire that, that overrules anything else. But it also can sound a little different. Like if you're so incompetent, <laughs> you can't do anything else, go into ministry. But the point is he was confused. And he didn't really have the wherewithal to follow up with some questions or anything. And so he got an engineering degree and went on and had a, a very good career in engineering and served actively in the church and was very spiritually alive and vital. Uh, later, at mid-50s, he was offered an early retirement package and he took it and he, uh, he decided to go to seminary. And his wife said to him, I always knew this day would come. I could see something burning inside you. And he ended up preaching for nine years. And Smith asked him later, he said, do, do you ever regret not going into ministry initially? He says, no, I, I don't see God's calling as a bullseye that you have to hit smack one time. You know, it's something that just sort of accompanies our life. And I feel I did good work serving God as an as a engineer, and I'm, and I'm doing good work serving God now. And so there are small c callings that we can listen to. Angela and I have a very dear friend. She's actually our daughter's age. And she is so clearly called to the mission field. I mean, the foreign mission field. Fact is, she thinks the local church in America is pretty comfy and conventional, and she desires a little more, you know, rigor and uh, radicalness. And so that's her place on the mission field at the at the tip of the spear, if you will. And we we help support her for that. But that's clearly... A small C call. She is always the first, capital C call, is to be a follower of Jesus. Um, our youngest daughter and uh, son-in-law talked as early as when they were engaged about feeling a call to adoption, to become adopted parents, not exclusively, not instead of having biological children, but to, to participate in that beautiful gospel ministry of, of adopting a child, and uh, that's probably in their future. That's a small C calling. Now, a couple notes about small C callings. Calls are not specific to roles. Calls are not specific to roles. You know, we think, tend to think, oh, he's called to be, he was called to be a minister or a missionary later in life or uh, he or she was called to be a, a teacher or a nurse. You know, there's certain things that just sort of emanate 
uh, possible calls, but it can be anything. Imagine with me that you're talking to a man or a woman who is an auto mechanic, and they say, you know, from the time I was little, I just was fascinated by how cars work, and I get such satisfaction as a mechanic feeling like I'm helping people get on the road with a safe and reliable car. I feel like I glorify God in this work. Well, it seemed to me like that's kind of a small C calling. And so it's not limited to roles. Maybe you're talking to someone in law enforcement who says, you know, I just uh, I, I love the Lord and I want to serve and, and I just feel drawn to this to try to help make society safer to try to uphold law and order to try to be the instrument that Paul talks about in in Romans 13 oh no no that's not a calling that's not the right role well it can be okay it can be so calls are not specific to roles and also on the flip side just because someone's in ministry or missionary doesn't mean they feel called to it I mean, you know, people are human. They do it because their parents did it, or they do it because it was the easiest thing, or they do it because it's convenient. You know, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying don't ascribe calls to roles. A, A small c calling is very, very unique to individuals. And then second, calls are not always lifelong. Small c calls are not always lifelong. When Paul perceives the call to go to Macedonia and help the church. Uh, There's no indication that that was supposed to be in Macedonia the rest of his life or that he thought he was going to be in Macedonia the rest of his life. It was a small sea calling for a season until he perceived that that season was over. Our friend, the young missionary, you know, she has three kids, she and her husbands. They're all under, what, eight? I don't know. And maybe they'll get to high school age, and she'll feel like, you know, our time in the mission field is done, and it's time to come back. Uh, we don't know. But no one's, uh, small C callings are not necessarily lifelong. Smith says, Callings will emerge in subtle and sometimes obvious ways. They will come through the voice of others, through open and closed doors, and through opportunities lost and found. They will come primarily in the form of passions. Listen. In a deep longing for something that we cannot escape. And they happen when we view ourselves not as a set of skills to be maximized, but as a soul that is to be uplifted. Friends, we are more than our LinkedIn profile. You know, we have souls that, 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 that uh, LinkedIn and, and the conventional job search things have no not of. You know, we're more than a set of skills to be maximized. Smith says, I have also come to believe that our callings are intimately connected to our sacred stories related to our own pain or our own positive experiences. How do we discern our small c callings? Well, sometimes we can look to our story, things we've experienced, times of uh, great pain or, or, or great satisfaction and joy uh, 
and, and say, I want to leverage that pain or that joy for others in a more focused way. I mean, the, the list is just long, you know. Maybe, maybe I went through a terrible experience of divorce and, you know, just antagonistic and litigious, and, and, and I want to be a mediator and help people not tear each other apart in that process, something like that. Or I remember just a time I had being a, 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 a teacher in the children's program at church, hint, hint, and that, uh, you know, and now I just want to teach children. You, you look at your story and, and, and let your story speak to you. Another tool of discernment is what do other people say to you? You know, you really seem to come alive when you do this or that. You know, I see such a, a richness in you when you're involved in this or that. Other people's um, comments and opinions can really open up discernment of small c callings. And, of course, one of my favorites, I talk to you about this all the time, what are your deep desires? What are your deep desires Frederick Beekner, the late novelist and minister, said, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. You know, your deep gladness, your deep desire. St. Catherine of Siena, the 14th century mystic, Be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. Second century church father, Irenaeus, you've heard me say this before. The glory of God is a person fully alive. What are your deep desires? What makes you come fully alive? That may be the, 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 the genesis or the symptom of a small c calling. So I'm a little bit of a pointy head, left brain in these things, so I put together a little schematic for you here. <laughs> <laughs> and so, let, let's say there's a continuum. You know, the first is a job. You know, I do this job. I get paid, I do something, and it brings value, and I do this job. And there's no deeper meaning, and I don't feel any sense of, you know, great satisfaction or fulfillment, but I do it. Some of you may be there now. It's okay. I happen to believe that any work that is honest and sincere and well done glorifies God. There's never a shame in just saying, you know, I'm just working a job right now. If you're lucky and you work a job long enough, or you, you sort of develop prof a profession, you, do, you stay in that field. And so instead of just having a job, you have a profession. That's often more satisfying than just having a job. Now, after that is vocation, which is very similar to profession, but you know the Latin root of vocation? Anyone? Anyone? Vocare, to call. To call, the sense of being called to a kind of work. And if you're blessed, you really are able to see this and, and, and feel this, then your profession can become a vocation. It feels more sacred than just a field of work. And then after this is just the, the blessing and the joy of saying, this is a calling to me. 
Teaching in school is a calling to me. Being a nurse is a calling to me. Being a preacher is a calling to me. Being an an investment advisor is a calling to me. They're that deep, rich satisfaction of feeling that somehow you and God are partnering together and you're glorifying God in your work. Now, the second part of this schema is... Above all this is our big C calling to, as Minky talked about in her communion devotional, just always seek to be leaning in to our relationship with God through Jesus and the fellowship and power of the Holy Spirit that's easy to sort of kind of get distracted by other things and just always renewing and refocusing what is our true north. And when we do that, this is just my impression. This isn't from the scriptures, but as Paul said, I think that I too have the Spirit of God. When you tend to your big C calling, the other ones tend to take care of themselves. And that if you, if you sort of neglect or treat, treat as maybe a, you know, not of first importance, the big C calling, you'll just kind of get real frustrated in, in these other ones, the the. the the lesser calls. And so tend to your big C calling and your small C callings will become more vivid to you. They will be more discernible. They will be more something you are able to hear and see. Ah, God, this, okay, this is what you're you're directing me to uh, in this season of my life. I'm even going to give you some homework today. We love homework. Write out your calling. Write out your small C calling for this season of your life. Just this season of your life. And and make it one sentence. Yeah. Just one sentence. Just, it could be a long sentence. I'm going to read you mine. Or I'm going to say it to you. It's a long sentence. But just say as far as I can perceive and discern, this is the small C calling I'm living out in this season of my life. I think that will be a rich experience for you. And I would love to hear it if you're willing to share it with me. Okay? 23 years ago, I wrote out a small C calling. And it's, it, it may sound kind of broad, but it really speaks to me as a preacher. And... I have not seen fit to change it. And it's it's something I say to myself often. I am dedicated to embodying the love of Jesus Christ in my relationships and associations so that I may inspire and empower people to pursue a profound relationship with God and to live joyful lives of deep faith and purpose. And that's sort of been my anchor, my small C calling, it, that is informed by, by my big C calling to be uh, uh, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And so, friends, life is here. <laughs> life is before us. Uh, God, God calls us in Jesus Christ to our big C calling. Tend to that first. Tend to that often. Lean into that. And you will find that there are small C seasonal callings for you in your life that will be a source of great and rich satisfaction and spiritual growth. Let's pray together. 
Thank you, Lord, so much for all we've talked about in this series, how you desire us and come towards us, how you forgive us, how you make us alive in Jesus, how you, you, you make us holy, and how you call us beyond just meaning, meaningless, uh, just rote lives, but you can enrich everything, enrich everything for us as we respond to your call. Lord, help each of us, especially those of us who may feel sort of directionless now and just without a, a true north, help each of us, as Mickey said, be attentive enough that not distracted by these other things that we can really listen to you and seek you and know what your small sea calling is for us in this life. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who says, come and follow me. In his name we pray, amen.